With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to challenge each other to experiments. You, you've thought of some. I didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I'm going to use your genius. Oh, man, so. this is terrible. Terrible, but good. You know, at first I was really scared to have advertisers, but it's really been actually a nice thing because it tells me that people have valued this podcast enough that advertisers actually want to spread their own message through this. But in order to continue having great advertisers, I need your help. Please go to podsurvey.com slash James and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show our advertisers just how great the listeners you guys are. Even if you've taken our show's podcast listener survey before, the current one is brand new and different, so I'd really love for you to take it all over again. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash James, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash James. Thanks for your help. So I'm very excited. Back with AJ Jacobs. We're going to start a new, or we're going to experiment with a new format on the James Altucher Show, a little bit of a mini-series. I've always been obsessed with AJ's ability to take, come up with experiments in his life and actually act on them and then change his life and write a book about what happened. So a great example. And by the way, welcome, AJ. Welcome back. Thank you. I love to be here. And, and oh, you know, a great example, of course, is your book, The Know-It-All, where you read the Encyclopedia Britannica A to Z uh, and then wrote about the result. Uh, another example is The Year of Living Biblically. You spent a whole year living exactly according to the rules of the Bible. True. You grew a huge beard. You threw stones at adulterers in Central Park. You wouldn't sit on your wife's chairs when she was having her period. <laughs> like you did all these crazy things in the sake of the Bible. And then uh, you even wrote a book about this, My Life is an Experiment. All these little mini experiments you did. And I'm just fascinated. I think experimenting in our lives is such a great way 
to free ourselves from the normal conventions of society. I don't know. Did you find this when you were doing these experiments? Oh, yeah. I think it's very, uh, it makes my life better. Not always at the time. You know, if you're doing an experiment and it's a disaster, then uh, maybe that's not. But the end, the takeaway is it makes it your life better. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be big experiments. I always, you know, you can try a uh, a different toothpaste every week and see because we are stuck in these routines and these ruts uh, that we just take for granted like why did i why did i pr brush with crest toothpaste for you know 30 years it's me too that's what you use yeah. i switched though i've switched i did it all I through my childhood college graduates could my first 15 years of, of work only crest and now i switch got, what do you got now now I use Sensodyne. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think there's more technology in toothpaste now, so we're like, and right. and and there's less influence from TV advertising because I don't watch regular TV anymore. Right. So I don't need to. Four out of five dentists recommend Crest. I'm I'm with the fifth guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, yeah, I I used Crest because some kid in my camp when I was 11 used Crest and he seemed cool. So I'm like, all right. And I just never thought about it, but I'm like, you know what? I do this twice a day, every day. Maybe I should put some thought into what's the best toothpaste. And I tried all these different ones, and I actually use um, I use Tom's of Maine. Uh, I like the cinnamon because it's all about the taste for me. All toothpastes are pretty much equal. They're all going to protect you as long as they got that ADA. But uh, I'm like, you know what? I want it to taste good. I don't... Uh, Tom's is good for the breath? Um, yeah. I don't even think about the breath. It's just like while I'm brushing, what does it taste like? And it's like, yeah, it's just not bad. This is like a little dessert. What's So So so? I want to describe the, the format of this. We're going to do kind of a, a mini-series where we challenge each other to an experiment. Right. We do the experiment, and whether it's a week or a month or whenever later, we'll come back here, report on the results of the experiment, and then challenge each other to the next experiment. Exactly. And we'll I love do this that. for as, as long as we can. Well, at least now, a, a are we couple episodes. Both do the same experiment? I think we should. I think so too. Yeah, just, to, too just to compare. Right. And then I think also it allows us to, it pushes us not to slack off because you'll know what it takes to do the experiment right, and so you'll know if I'm slacking off and vice versa. Right. So, so, and I'm intrigued by your ability to almost look at anything and sort of see if it's an experiment or not. And, and I've been fascinated by your ability to create entire worlds and businesses and books and everything out of these experiments. Like your experiment to kind of map the whole family tree of the world resulted in you know, the world's largest family reunion. It got, it, it built this With huge... With James Altucher, a star speaker. I was a speaker. I was speaking right next to um, world-famous uh, genomics guy. What was George, George Church? George Church, yeah, he's yeah. Been amazing. Uh, I When I registered for the for the world's largest family reunion, Dr. Oz was standing right next to me. I should have introduced <laughs> myself. Um, I mean, it was such a, a fascinating thing to go to, and I brought my kids to it, so it was a, a bonding moment. But that's an experiment that's changed lives like that was a whole party out there and it was just it was just fascinating well, to me i mean i knew people who flew up from like florida to come to it and uh, all these other states and i'm sure you had people from other countries come to it and then you had the family reunion happening live in other countries as well 
Uh, so I think that was the world record you broke, right? Right, exactly. There well, were 40 simultaneous family reunions around the world with like 10,000 people. And so. everybody was mapped out, like how they were in the family tree. Exactly. So, and we're third cousins, of course, so so I was happy to belong, and I felt like I belonged. But, <laughs> um, do. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I really like the idea of doing, uh, of, you know, trying different experiments to A, see if they could take me, you know, kind of widen my comfort zone and be perhaps make me a better person like right. I, I feel like your books have made you a better person and we've discussed this in the past well thank you yeah i needed a lot of work you know i'm a fixer-upper so uh we all are uh, yeah well yeah on do you want to get into some of the ideas for experiments or? first I, w I want to hear about something you mentioned right before we started which is that uh you were you did some experiment with uh, one of my favorite stand-up comedians, Jim Gaffigan. Oh, what yes. was that about? This was I was very I loved working with him. He's a great. Uh, the idea was I I was researching and I found the oldest jokes in the world, like from you know twenty five hundred BC Sumeria or six hundred BC Greek Greece and and Rome. What's the uh, oldest joke in the world? And I feel like I've heard you talking about this before. Or you know what? You mentioned this on Question of the Day. I think when you were a guest host there. But what's the oldest joke in the world? Uh, yeah, this is the oldest recorded joke. Are you ready? Do yes. you have any water in your mouth? I don't want you to spit it all over the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm clean. Okay, here it is. Um, what has never happened since time immemorial? What? A woman has never, a new wife has never sat on her husband's lap and not farted. That's the oldest joke in That's the world. That's the old, And it's a little confusing with all the knots. But the basic idea... a lot idea, of double negatives. A lot of double... But I get it. The it's idea funny. is like when you get married, your wife starts farting around you all the time. That's basically... It's sort of like... Before that, she was holding it in. Right. Now she could just let go. So, yeah, this was... It says a lot about humans that the first joke ever was a fart joke. A and it also says a lot about divorce laws. People didn't get divorced back then. Now they <laughs> get divorced. <laughs> Not that people get divorced over farting, but... People still have to be on guard. All you have to be on best behavior all the time. Right, that's true. Never yeah. ends now. That's right. It is. Not, it's much harder. So, so okay, you found the so, oldest jokes in the world, and then we had him, Jim, uh, agreed to go to Gotham Comedy Club and tell these oldest jokes without telling the audience that they were from 600 BC to see do jokes uh, are jokes eternal or is uh, or do they age out like. Is there some secret to everlasting humor, or, or is it just the fresh stuff uh, always works? So and, it was interesting. I mean, he the one thing we learned is he is such a brilliant comedian that his delivery is so good that he could sell a joke from 600 BC Sumeria and still make people laugh. Like, how would he do it a little differently than you just told me? Like, I, like, I got it. It was funny when you said it, but, you know— I'm sure he could do it in such a way that's just insane. Right. Well, one thing is he turned it to himself. So one of the oldest jokes, uh, this is the way he told it is, um, yeah, I have a barber who's very talkative and he's uh, he's always yapping in my ear. So I went to him and he said, how would you like your hair done? And he said, in silence. Uh and that is the oldest joke, but it's told as a man went to a barber and uh, the barber was very talkative. So he turned it on himself to make himself the star, which I think makes it more, uh, gives it more punch. And, and, and there again, it's this element of humor where you remove part of yourself 
to make it funny. So he removed, obviously Jim Gaffigan's a very polite human being. He probably wouldn't say that to his barber. Right. He removed that part of himself and that's what makes it funny is that he was then, you know, very rude to his barber. Right, exactly. And it's surprising. Um, I mean, also, there are some jokes, I guess, he even he couldn't sell because they were back in the before Christ, uh, eunuch jokes were huge. Uh, people love to make fun of eunuchs. So what couldn't he sell in that? Was the audience like, what the heck is he doing? Yeah, he would be like, you know, he, he's like, people, it's too hard to explain. What, you, you can't, once you start explaining a joke, you're dead. And he thought that people would have, you would have to explain what a eunuch is, someone without testicles. Uh, because the jokes were like, you know, did you hear about the eunuch who got a hernia uh, or something like he was, he had no balls and yet, and then he still got penis problems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so wait, did he explain what a eunuch was? or did He, just, he, just he didn't even try that one. That oh, he one, didn't try he was, that one. Uh, so even he, he I has I think that limits. would be funny because it's just so ridiculous that he would be telling that joke that like people would laugh. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I loved it and I loved that he did it and, Tried did you videotape it, it? It almost could be like this weird kind of uh, alternative We were comedy supposed special. to have a video, but somehow the videographer didn't show up. But we do have the tape. We have the full tape. Ah, that's a shame you don't have the video. I know. I know. I actually thought maybe it would be interesting. Like, that could be a comedian's whole shtick is that he goes up and tells 2,000-year-old jokes. How did see. you um, convince him to do that? Uh well, he, we just emailed him out of the blue. When you say we, who's we? This is a producer at NPR named Peter Breslow, great producer. But I think uh, if you have, like you know, if you have an interesting idea that will appeal to them and make their life better, you have a much better shot. Because it's not just, you know, come on my show and, um, you know, talk about yourself. Uh, this was an interesting idea that he he wanted to know, like, do ancient jokes still hold up he being jim jim wanted to know so, so you pitched this to npr first or how first did... i pitched it to npr and then npr pitched it to jim gaffigan and when you pitched it to npr did you have jim gaffigan in mind or did you say let's get a professional comedian to try this yeah the latter i just said let's get a professional comedian and this guy knew jim gaffigan and said this is a perfect choice and because he's so family friendly and clean like he's kind of got a brand that right that it's interesting to see him with these kind of I don't know. That somehow made it, it makes it a little more interesting to me, right? As opposed to like Louis C.K. telling a joke about a eunuch. That's true. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was the perfect person to do it. And the other thing we learned is that um, just references uh, are so fleeting. Like a lot of these jokes from 600 B.C. are about lettuce, which apparently was an aphrodisiac. Uh, they thought lettuce was an aphrodisiac. so. There are all these dirty jokes about lettuce, and those are kind of hard to translate. Because so how would he translate them? Well, those he didn't even try. But interestingly, he has a lot of jokes about lettuce uh, in his act. Oh, yeah, he's, he's uh, in his book, about. Food. Right, yeah, but but not as an aphrodisiac. And so did he, oh, he didn't, he could have maybe used a different known aphrodisiac. I don't know what, what's a known aphrodisiac, chocolate or whatever, I don't know. Right, yeah, sometimes he would uh, update it like he put in Donald Trump uh, in one joke. I think the joke was something like, did you hear about... The ancient version is to hear about the miser who made himself his own heir in his will. So not hilarious. But then he, uh, Gaffigan, turned it into Trump. Did you hear about the latest with Trump? He's so ridiculous. He made himself his own heir. 
Yeah, it didn't do great, but it was certainly better than. And did he explain the concept to the audience afterwards? No, never. They wow, so that's really, that's really kind of committing to the act. I know, I love it. He was a scientist. He was like, I'm going to do it. I mean, he's so successful that I guess he can. Uh, he's okay with looking like a fool, like we were talking about on that other episode. Sometimes, for the for the sake of the show, you you know, it's good to look like an idiot. I yeah. do it all the time. I'm very good at making myself look. And like an and idiot. and I I've talked about this before with um. Do you know John Max? He he wrote Jay Leno's monologue for for twenty years, the entire run of the Tonight Show. He wrote many of the jokes. He wrote about a half a million jokes for the monologue. Wow, and that's nuts. He, he said critical is that the comedian has to commit right up until the very end. Like there's no backing off. Like you can't explain it afterwards. Right. You right, gotta commit right. and then you're move on. I know, it's true. I mean, I, I am always uh, uh so admiring of people who commit completely. Uh Will Farrell, I think, is so good at that. Yeah, Will Farrell is very good. Because uh, also that brand of like physical humor too, where you kind of have to like thro- literally throw yourself into the right. into the humor. But um, okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna challenge each other to experiments. You you've thought of some. I didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> I I figured I'm gonna use your genius for this first one on on experiments. I mean, I came up with some ideas, but they're not quite as interesting, I think, as as yours. I'll tell you my ideas after you you tell me yours. Well, I do want to... You show yours first, then I'll show you mine. Sure, sure, you'll show yours. Well, one I want to talk about, because I brought it up right before uh, you started recording, uh, and I found your response so interesting, is is this idea of not saying anything negative about other people. Uh, And I tried this for my Bible book, and it was fascinating, because I realized, you know, 70% of my speech was sort of trash talking and it made such a difference in my life when I cut that out because it made me um, more positive and happier not to be trash talking people all the time. So I brought that up and and your response was uh, very interesting to me, which is that you already try to practice that. Yeah, I make it a point. I really try really hard and it's it's not the easiest thing because so many things come up during the day. But I try very hard never to say anything bad about anybody or never to gossip. And so, when did you start that? Do you remember? Was there a moment where you're like, I'm going to... I think around 2010 or 2011 because maybe I had read something about it or I just didn't want to be... I just want to live a healthy life. And for me, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go to the gym every day. That's something very hard for me. Um, but I can control... Uh, what comes out of my mouth as much as possible, and I just think if you're if, if you're engaged, you know, it's like if if you're eating trash, uh, you're gonna feel bad. And it's same thing if you put trash in your brain, your brain's gonna go bad. And so I think gossip or thinking hateful thoughts about people, you know, it's like you, it's like your genealogy project. You know, we're all, we're ultimately all related, but in some ways we're also metaphorically related. We're all going through hard times. So if someone's, let's say, obscenely mean or rude to me, maybe they had a bad day, maybe their wife or husband just cheated on them, right. maybe they are lost their job or they're going broke or they're anxious about something. So I don't know, and it's none of my business. And even what they think about me, let's say they're very rude to me, it really has more to do with what's going on in their life than what's going on in my life because they don't really know what's going on in my life either. So 
I try very hard not never to say anything bad about anybody. And also, look, there's plenty of bad things people can say about me. So I know if I'm saying bad things about people, more than likely they're saying bad things about me. So right. I, yeah. I in general, that's been a practice of mine. That's great. Because I think, yeah, in, in one sense, it, it seems like you're, you're this big self-sacrificer. But in another sense, it's just very selfish because you do feel better. Uh, and I, re- I remember... Well, one, one way to relieve stress is... You know, when when we're when we're feeling stress, uh, we might feel somehow that we're going to get thrown out of the the tribe. You know, and one way to relieve that stress is to feel superior over somebody, so our rank in the tribe goes up. And the best way to feel superior over someone is to trash talk them. Right. That's so, so true. So it's a negative way to kind of relieve stress, and right. so I try to avoid those, but it's difficult. I remember uh, Richard Branson, uh, CEO of Virgin, right before the election, he talked about his lunch with Donald Trump. Did you read about that? Yes. And how Donald Trump spent the whole time saying, here are the five people who wronged me, and I'm going to devote my life to uh, destroying them. And Richard Branson is like, that is not a healthy way to go through life. And I totally, I'm on Richard Branson's side. That is just going to not make you happy, you know? Well, well, it's so funny, like, Particularly when you get in the realm of rich people, like obviously they're not just rich; they're they're billionaires. They're they're well beyond wealthy. They're and and you always wonder why do they keep doing what they're doing after the first ten million? Really, why do they or the first couple million? Why do they keep doing what they're doing? But they they do. They they're very competitive people. So even I've even heard examples of someone world famous worth two billion um, trashing Larry Page because. Larry Page was worth eighteen billion, and so <laughs> he couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So, so I think with, at that level, those you know, the need to feel at the top is is very uh, uh, important to them mm, and very stressful right. when they're not. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I have here's one idea that we have to talk it through because it could be a total disaster. And uh, get us in some legal problems. Sound, sound, <laughs> sounds like a good premise. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, I've read a lot of research when I was writing the book about health. A lot of research is about the underappreciated value of human touch, and that it is such an important part of stress relief is just touching others, skin to skin contact. Um, there's uh, if you if you hold hands with your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend, your um, your stress h- hormones go way down. There was even a study that showed if you hold hands with a stranger, then your stress hormones go down. Just the skin. To me, my stress hormones would go through the roof if I'm holding hands because I'm like, you know, what are they? Gonna, you know, they're gonna punch yeah, me in the face. Yeah, I can't even like picturing it. Seems very stressful to me because there's there's asking. This, a, finding a stranger, going up to them and asking and kind of... Ex- and you can explain the whole premise why you're doing it. Right. But then there's like, what do you do once you're holding hands with them? Yes, I know. That was an odd part of the experiment. But I do believe the central premise, which is that human touch is underappreciated. We were meant to touch each other, and we don't in this. And this is... It's a hard premise for me to accept because I am very standoffish. I I never used to like hugs. Yeah, I don't like hugs. I don't like shaking hands. Right. I don't like when you meet someone, like a woman you know, you have to do the kiss on the cheek. I never never know what to do. I wish I could just sort of just nod my head hello. (laughs) Right. I'm with you. 
or the Japanese, the bowing. Yeah. Um, but maybe there is something in seeing if human touch can improve our lives. And I say it's dangerous because you're looking terrified. I am looking you terrified. Look, like so uncomfortable. Like on my face is frozen <laughs> thinking about it. I love that one. <laughs> but, I kind of think, though, this means we have to do this one, but go ahead. Well, as I say, it's a very tricky one because what's the line between affection and, and touching humans to feel better and, like, you know, just creepiness and sexual harassment so, and so a, cu- a couple questions one is do you think this is you know you know the company lyft like it's the car service company that's like uber sure so they do i've never been in a lyft but i hear they do a fist bump when you get in the car the driver and the mm. passenger has to do a fist bump and i wonder if this is related like the physical touch makes you more likely maybe to enjoy the ride or a tip or whatever i don't know well i have seen uh yeah i've seen studies about wait uh, waiters who touch the customers get higher tips. And I always find it so annoying and offensive when a waiter touches me. But maybe there's something unconscious about it, which, uh, and I remember actually, I remember interviewing, um, I interviewed Chrissy Teigen, the supermodel. You remember we talked about Yes. And she was the touchy-feeliest person in the world. You're kidding. So in the interview, she would like touch you. She would like grab my arm and she would like, you know, put her arm around my shoulder. And, you know, she's a supermodel, so I'm not going to complain. Like, if I did that... Did you touch her back? I did not. Was John Legend in the room? Isn't she married to John Legend? Yeah, yeah, she's married to John Legend. Yeah, he was not there, but still I felt it was not my place to touch her. And again, it's weirder as a man, you know, touching women. It's not as accepted. So how do we negotiate this? And how... um, Because I do feel... There's something very, uh, uh, very, very stress relieving, very comforting about hugging, and yet, at the same time, I hate it. I hate the idea of it. So that, to me, is an interesting experiment because it's going to be uncomfortable, but it might yield something useful. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Every podcast I do is so personal and special to me. The podcast is all about how people can be better performers, even peak performers at whatever it is they're passionate about. So help people discover this podcast. Help me, help the listeners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can also check out the show notes at jamesaltitude.com slash podcast. And also, if you want to get my blog updates and other updates that I do, sign up for the newsletter at jamesaltitude.com. Once again, thanks so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. You know, uh, you know the comedian Gary Goldman? Um, he's also been on my podcast as well. Oh. And he has a joke about Trader Joe's. Very funny joke. It's like a 15-minute joke. He goes on and on, uh, kind of lots of callbacks to different jokes. And But in one of the jokes, he's 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 very... Ex- and he, he talks in the podcast about how, in, in my show with him, about how he's depressed. And then he does this joke about Trader Joe's and how they always touch you at Trader Joe's. And he said, because the same thing you just said is because... It, it it makes people feel better. So they, you, they want your exper- shopping experience to feel good and touch is a part of that. Interesting. I just remembered, you know, another 
uh, person you've had on the podcast, Gretchen Rubin. Didn't yes. you have her? Uh, she talked Twice. about her in her, her book, uh, her first book about happiness, that she made sure to hug her husband for seven seconds because that was somehow the scientifically proven minimum amount of time to kick in the oh, yeah, uh, endorphins I, or whatever. Right, like uh, the, I, I remember her talking about that, the second seven-second hug. Yeah, And then I, I think I tried that for a few days afterwards, and then I forgot because I always forget right. the podcast afterwards. But that's a, that's a good <laughs> thing to remember. Okay, so what's the... What's the experiment we should try about this? And then let's let's think about it for a second whether yes. we're too scared to do it. Well, that's the other thing is like, yeah, how do we pull this off without being creepy? I mean, I can... So, so is it a stranger? So, so I would say to really make the experiment worthwhile, it's some kind of touch with... So, so the basic level is some kind of touch with any person. But yes. then that's too easy because you could just go to girlfriend, wife, or your child, or or friends, or whatever, and say, "Hey, I'm doing this experiment. Can I touch your shoulder, or whatever?" So, so I think you have to make it more restrictive. Agree. Well, I think there are two elements to the experiment. I think we can increase our touch with our loved ones. So, you know, I don't hug my wife really ever. Uh, <laughs> Not ever, but like on, on an average day, I'm not going to go up and like she comes home and I give her a big hug. Uh, I'm just like, hey, honey. Uh, so but I do. I still think that's the easy way out. Yeah, because yeah. if you did that, that's, that's just great. part one. Yeah. That's just part one. But I do think it's an important element is to increase the touch with, with loved ones. But then the more interesting part, I think, is to increase touch with acquaintances, coworkers, and strangers. So how do we do that? Do we... Like, um, is it number of hugs? Is it number of seconds of hugs? Um, how should we like say you have to hug ten strangers? A okay, day? Well, let's take an extreme. Okay. Let's say the experiment is you have to hold hands for at least thirty seconds with someone you've never spoken to before. So, in other oh, words, a stranger. Oh, this is horrible. This is just. Is a that hor- possible? It's possible, but it just fills me with with. Because some fear. days I don't even leave the house. So right. How am I going to do it? Oh, that's interesting. So maybe it doesn't have. Maybe it's the days you leave the house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and, is is that too or is that too much? So it'd be thirty seconds a day. I mean, you've thrown rocks at strangers <laughs> in in Central Park for adultery. <laughs> so how could this be too much for you to hold hands with oh, a stranger? Oh man, that's so weird and creepy. So is it that? A one you have to hold hands with one person for thirty seconds, or you can hold like with two strangers' hands for fifteen seconds. I guess that's fine too, because uh, that's probably even harder than holding hands with one stranger for thirty seconds. <laughs> right. What if, and does it have to be holding hands, or is hugging uh, acceptable? Like, what are the ways of physical contact? I feel contact? like hugging. I feel like hugging is also too easy. I'm and again, maybe hugging is the what we settle down on. I'm just taking the most extreme. I feel hugging is also too easy because there's almost these kind of cultural norms that you can go up to someone and say, hey, you, uh, I need a hug or you look like you need a hug. Can I hug you? Mm. It's a little easier. Holding hands is weird. <laughs> so okay, so to hold hands <laughs> is like a weird thing. And it Your has producers to be someone, are, are horrified. And it has to be someone, and, but I, I don't know if this is the experiment because maybe I can't do it. Maybe this is too scary. Uh, but but uh, uh, it has to be with someone you've never spoken to before. Well, you have to speak to them before grabbing their hand, right, or else right. you'll get arrested. Right. right. So so you have to you can go up to them and say, hey. So okay, do you explain the experiment, or right. or so that's the other factor? That's do you explain the experiment, or do you say, can I hold your hand? <laughs> I think we should try it both ways. I think we should try it several ways. I think we should try to 
Yes, hold hands. Set the bar high. Hold hands with strangers that you've never spoken to, but also increase your hand-holding with acquaintances, colleagues, and uh, loved ones. And hugs, too. Throw them in there. Okay, but but I do really insist it's got to be strangers. Yeah. Because I think I think with colleagues, it's just too easy. Like with coworkers. It's not easy. It's awkward. It's like it's possible lawsuits. Yeah, but if you explain to them the experiment. But still, like if I were a woman and like some, not that we're incredibly powerful, but if someone <laughs> came up to me and was like, I'm doing this experiment, I really need to hold your hand, they'd be like, what the? I can see like a Dove Charney like lawsuit uh, in the future. Okay, so so again, this is why I think people you've never spoken to before is better than colleagues. Okay, because they're not going to sue you for any kind of harassment, or they're not going to think you're personally. If someone, if a stranger thinks you're personally weird, that's also a kind of an interesting experiment to be able to deal with that. Right. Uh, uh, the other thing is, I think it needs to be fifty fifty men women. Agree. That's a good point. And yeah, it can't be just hugs. It's got to be holding hands. All right. I'm but, with but you. I'm taking, I'm taking the extreme what I think this experiment should be. Then the question is, should we do it or not? Or just talk about the next experiment? <laughs> I, do you think you could do it? I do. I think it'll be awkward, but it'll be interesting. And I would like to do it. I think that I'll need to, like, you know, drink a glass of whiskey, a little Dutch courage before going out. But I want, I want to try it. I do... I am ready to commit, but if you want to do something else. Okay, but like, let's say you're holding hands with a guy and you're straight. (laughs) I know your wife. Are you, Mm -hmm. you know, and usually it's, it's, again, we always get back to comedians, but I forget which comedian it was. I think it's Louis C.K. Being straight is like the one kind of sexual designation that everybody absolutely wants people to know they are. <laughs> so, like, straight people want other people to know they're straight. Right. So when you're holding hands with a guy and you don't quite explain everything, they're going to think you maybe are not straight. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> And so uh-huh. you're, you have to be okay with that also. Oh, of course. I'm That so, I'm okay with. I'm not, you know, what I'm worried about is actually getting punched in the face or I, I can deal with, like, it's going to be a lot of social awkwardness, which... Which is horrible in the moment, but also very interesting looking back on it and, and analyzing what what this what this was like. So yeah, I'm for it. Okay. And- I'm terrified. And I'll tell you why I'm terrified. I did um a few months ago I was doing a a photograph of the day. And I, I don't know, have you ever been on Chase Jarvis's Creative Live? I have not, no. So so uh, Chase, a professional photographer, and I asked him for advice. How can I'm not a photographer? I've never really taken a photograph. How can I right now take a great photograph within the next hour after I leave this interview? And he said, find what your filter is. Like, what kind of things are you interested in looking at? And I said, I like sad people. And he said, go up to a sad person, explain what you're doing, and take their photograph. And so I did this, but it, even that was terrifying for me to walk up to people and talk to them. Did out you of the explain blue. How, what did you say when you walked up to them? Did you say you look sad and I? No, to- I said you looked interesting, yeah. and I'd love to take your photograph. And I would ask them some questions and and get get a story out of them. So so I know I can build a story out of right. people. So I I basically uh, paired my storytelling with a photograph, and I think it worked out well, and I got better and better. But it was still terrifying. 
And this is even more, and so that's why I'm even more terrified because it is, is because I really hate touch. I've even written about this how much I hate hugs. Right, and then there's the whole. Because I never got hugged as a child. Ah, My parents didn't hug me. I'll no hug one you. touched I'll me. So we're gonna we're gonna touch a lot at the end of this episode. So, so how long do you think? I mean, we'll see how long the experiment goes. Let's just, let's just try and see and and see how it goes. All but, right, uh, I'm ready. Well, it also it reminds me of. You know, sometimes in these experiments, you just have to pretend you're like almost like an actor, like you're a method actor, and really just go out there and just be fearless and unafraid of consequences. Well, that's just it. You kind of have to almost put on a persona. A persona, like, right. Like one time, like with this photograph of the day, one time I went up to the 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 biggest guy on the street in the middle of the night. Like this guy was was ripped in every way and was eight feet tall. And I went right up to him. It was like two in the morning, and I said, "I'm gonna kick your ass." And no. uh, yeah, and of course he looked at me, you know, tinier glasses, whatever, and he just started laughing. And then we got a photograph. Wow! So, so that was bold. But I had to be like a like an actor. I had to be like a method actor to do that. So it's the same right. thing here. I feel exactly. Uh, I, and I've had that experience many times. Like I am. Um, you know, for the Bible book, I would put on the robe and sandals and a beard and the stick. Or another one, I, I did an experiment where I tried to be the most rational person alive and, and try to ignore irrational societal norms. So, for instance, you know, when you're at the beach and it's hot, you take off your shirt, right? Uh, so, why not in the subway, if you're equally hot, why is it that you have to keep <laughs> your shirt on? So, I, you know, I was like hot in the subway so i took off my shirt and it's bare chested and it was really awkward um i almost but, feel like that experiment i would have immediately even though i hate the thought of it like i don't even like to take off my shirt at the beach but i would immediately would think okay that is better than touching people <laughs> and i would agree <laughs> i would agree 100 percent to try that one in this i don't even like going no, to the subway right. that's much easier than the one we're about to embark on so so let's do this because i think discomfort <sighs> is mm -hmm. is okay and and mm -hmm, as far as mm -hmm. uncomfortable things go this is like nothing compared to like let's say going to jail or going to surgery or whatever you know so everything's relative and uh uh, let's try it and see what happens. I'm excited, and hopefully we will not, you know, get lawsuits. Does your insurance for the podcast cover any, like, workers' comp if I get... I don't think so, so maybe right. somebody will sue. This this disgusting guy uh, hugged me, and he clearly didn't shower in weeks, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm traumatized by it now. Oh, man, so. this is terrible. But, yeah, terrible but good. I'm I mean, excited. there's what are other easy way outs here? Now that now now it's part of the strategy here is almost gaming it so it becomes as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. So so I think the challenge is, is to not game it so much. Exactly. I'm gonna. You should call me out if I game it too much. Like if I stand by a corner and just wait for little old ladies, like oh hey, can I help you cross the street? That's like an that's gaming it a little right. bit. Right. And you don't want to always. It's okay sometimes to explain this as an experiment. But let's see. If sometimes just don't explain it and see if you how that goes. I don't even know how I would begin <laughs> to ask a guy if I can hold your hand for thirty seconds. Oh man! But we'll try. We'll try. It's gonna be. It's that's why it's an experiment. That's why it's an experiment. All right, I love it. All right, give me a hug. Come on. <laughs> well, no, you're not a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> then hold my hand. So that's it. 
next time on The James Altucher Show. At the end of the 70s, my band broke up. What am I going to do? Nobody likes my songs. I got nothing going for me. So instead of playing guitar and telling jokes, I started telling jokes and playing guitar. I never learned jokes to be a comic. I learned jokes because they were a lot of fun and made me popular. I was always the last guy at a party, the last guy telling jokes, the last man standing. You got a joke, he's got a joke, I got five. You got a joke, he got a joke, I got six. And I would always listen to people because I might get a new joke out of it. What do you like about jokes? And, and by a joke, you're like, it's like classic joke telling. Here's the premise, here's the punchline, boom. I tell jokes because I love to make people laugh. Because comedy and humor comes from tension. And poop and sex sets up more tension than anything else. And I like to tell a joke that was like punch in the stomach and make you scream. I'm not a comedian, I'm a joke teller. But Jackie, what you did was you basically, no one was gonna choose you and say, this is the next great comedian. But what you did was you chose yourself. Hey, I am so glad you listened to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It will only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the podcast. And my goal is to share this great content with as many people as possible. To see the show notes, just head on over to jamesaltucher.com slash podcast. While you are there, you can join my free insiders list to get notified when I post a new podcast. Every day, I also share my best and most controversial ideas. You won't get this stuff anywhere else. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.